Willow Astor, and this week I speak with debut author Martha Waters. We discuss the best day of her life, the world of Regency romance, her hybrid approach to plot, and just when you think you can't possibly like her anymore, she pulls out the storytime party trick. Good morning, Martha. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm excited to have you. You're a debut author. It's such an exciting time. It is. It's a weird time to be debuting, but it's very exciting. (laughs) Tell us about it. So my debut novel is perhaps ironically at the moment uh, about, it's called To Have and To Hopes. It's a Regency rom-com and it's about an estranged married couple in Regency England and Violet, the wife, decides to um, fake a case of consumption uh, to get her (laughs) husband's attention. I did not predict that there would be a global pandemic of a dangerous respiratory (laughs) disease when I was writing this. (laughs) And so it sort of turns into a game of one-upsmanship because her husband, James, immediately sees through it. But rather than calling her out on it, he sort of plays along. And so it's this very silly hijinks-filled battle of wits. When I was querying agents, I described it as the they don't know, we know, they know, we know episode of Friends (laughs) with more consumption, (laughs) which is kind of accurate. But yeah, that's that's the book. (laughs) That's the part that cracked me up the most, I think, is that they just kept going and were like, oh, "Oh, if you would just talk to each other. Yes, as all of their (laughs) friends keep telling them, why don't you just talk? It's very, uh, very, very silly. But that's the kind of book that I love to read the most, the ones that are very silly and full of hijinks and escapades. So that's kind of what I wanted to write also. Well, it's so fun and so different, and I really enjoyed it. thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. So what did you do when you found out it had sold? Uh, Cried. (laughs) (laughs) And screamed. I was actually in the car when my agent called and I missed the phone call and so I like I saw I had a voicemail from her so I started freaking out so I list, I perhaps unwisely did not like turn off the car before listening to the voicemail <laughs> um and so I was like sitting at a traffic light and I'm like it's lucky that I did not like rear in someone as I was listening to that voicemail I do not recommend listening to important voicemails from your agent when you're in the car but yeah it was just a dream come true and I was on submission for a while I was not one of those people who you hear stories you know of people going on submission and then selling you know like a week or two later and that was yeah. not my experience so it was I think being on submission for longer for several months just made it all the sweeter like when it actually sold so it was the one of the best days of my life (laughs) oh I'm so happy for you this is airing on April 9th and the book comes out April 7th is that correct correct yes that is so (laughs) it will have been out for two days by the time this airs and I'm just gonna say now I hope it's a huge success thank you and that you do something super fun to celebrate I'm supposed to be having a a launch party at my local independent bookstore we will see we will see if that still happens nice as of of right now the event is on but I mean honestly that's still 
since what today's March 12th. Uh, I don't know if that will still be happening. Wow. (laughs) That is crazy. The timing of all of this. Yeah. It's not the greatest, but you know, you got to just roll with it. So, and what better way to read about a fake one? (laughs) while This is going on. (laughs) If you're very stressed about actual respiratory diseases, can I suggest a funny book about a fake respiratory disease? (laughs) What part of the world are you in? I'm in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, pretty. Yes. It's lovely. I moved up here when I uh, went to college at UNC, and then I stuck around for library school because I'm a children's librarian, and then I just never left. It's a really great place. That's (laughs) awesome. Well, tell us, have you always been a writer? I have. It's funny. My mom brought me a few months ago a box from home just full of like old notebooks and journals and stuff. And I was looking through it and I found my writing journal from, I found one from fourth grade and one from second grade. So I wanted to be a writer since I knew that that was a job that you could have. For the longest time, I wanted to write like middle grade and young adult. And I mean, I am a children's librarian in my day job. So that was definitely where I saw myself going. But when I was in library school, we were I took this popular materials class and we had to read books from a bunch of different genres. And that was actually the first time I'd read a romance novel. And I fell in love with the genre and read hundreds of romances <laughs> over the next two or three years and got the idea for this one. And even though I'd previously been working on a manuscript that was YA, I kind of paused on that one and switched gears and started writing the book that turned into To Heaven to Hoax. So do you have any interest in writing children's books? I do still think about it sometimes. I think about YA more even I have an idea for like a fantasy rom-com I'd like to write someday mm. and I can't I haven't yet figured out if it would be for adults or if it would actually be a young adult okay. book but yeah it's definitely something I could see myself doing in the future I will say the nice thing I've found about having my debut be for adults is that it lets me separate it a bit from my day job because I spend so much of my life talking about children's and teen books and reading all the trade reviews and really being immersed in it. I think if my book was also for kids or teens, I would feel very just constantly comparing myself to all the other books out there and measuring my success against others. And so I do find it easier to kind of compartmentalize by having those things a little bit separate. So in that way, I've been grateful for it. That's such a good point. I would have never thought of it that way. But yes, it's hard enough to not compare yourself without (laughs) Yes, as I have learned over the course of the past year. I've been trying, but it's hard. (laughs) What inspired you to go the historical route? I am a lifelong Anglophile and (laughs) grew up reading Austin. And I discovered Georgette Hare in college, which I didn't realize those were romance novels at the time. I was like, no, these are too classy to be romance novels. But (laughs) they totally are. And watching a lot of, you know, BBC and Masterpiece period pieces and Regencies were definitely my sort of gateway into romance. I started out reading Julia Quinn and Eloisa James and then kind of eventually transitioned from there to reading some contemporaries as well. So when I decided to write one of my own, it just felt like the most natural fit for me. Did a lot of research go into this? I would think maybe you could get a little bit of a break with it being a rom-com, but Maybe not. Yeah, it's interesting. So I did do research. I think I did less than I would have had to if it had been like a historical period I was less familiar with. But Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, if you read enough Regency romances, you kind of 
get a feel for what the world should feel like just by virtue of how other authors have written it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, there was some romance author at one point who kind of like described Regency romances as like, we're all kind of playing in the same playground. Like we've decided that these are the historical things that we're going to keep. And these are the ones that we're going to toss out because I mean, it, are a lot of the things in my book anachronistic and like about the dialogue and the mm-hmm. gender roles and stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Because I don't think it's that enjoyable to read about a bunch of men who are sexist douchebags. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I don't think readers in 2020 are really interested in that level of historical accuracy. <laughs> so I wrote a rough draft and kind of highlighted a bunch of stuff I needed to come back to and flush out. And then I read a whole book called Georgette Hire's Regency World, which is a nonfiction one that basically just, if you want to write a Regency romance, I can't recommend it highly enough because it's all okay. the things that you would want to know about kind of upper class society, like how many servants you would expect to have in a household of a certain like rank and Mm. how much you could expect certain things to cost and what different materials gowns would be made out of and what the fashionable Mm. addresses were in London at the time. And all those little details that are the things that make readers feel like the world rings true. So that Mm. was really helpful. That sounds interesting just to read. Not even (laughs) if you want to read. I I thought it was fascinating. I'm a bit of a history nerd. I was a history major in college, (laughs) but like I thought it was really interesting reading, even if you weren't trying to write a (laughs) Regency. Let me just interrupt for a second to let you know that Living in the Pages is part of the Frolic Podcast Network, a podcast community of everything romance-related, from book club-style discussion, author interviews, comedy, critique, you name it. Find new shows to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcast. And now, let's get back to our interview. Do you, have you moved on to something new? Yeah, I'm... I'm finishing up a draft of another Regency rom-com that is due um, in like two and a half weeks. So oh. trying trying not to <laughs> panic about that at all. We, we haven't officially announced it yet, so I can't talk too much about it. But okay. I think people who read To Heaven to Hoax will be excited once I announce this one. So that's, that's something awesome. to look forward to. That's great. Do you write every day? No. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't. I know some people do. I write maybe four or five days a week. I will say a few years ago, I made it my New Year's resolution to write every single day of the whole year. And Mm -hmm. I did it. And that was the year I finished to have into hoax and got it ready to query. So it worked for me then when I really needed a kick in the butt. Yeah. But, um, Overall, no, just because I found that when I try to force myself to write on days where I'm really not feeling it, I don't get that much good writing done. Mm -hmm. I just have a hard time shutting up my brain if I'm too distracted by other things. But I do try to keep it to it. Like, I try to do it at least four days a week, I would say. Do you typically plot the whole book through or do you pant some of it? So I would say I'm a kind of a hybrid plotter and panther. (laughs) (laughs) I do outline normally. I will set my current draft of the book I'm working on right now is the one book that I've ever done where I tried not outlining at all and it felt a little too chaotic for me so I don't think I'll try that again (laughs) so what what I find works for me is an outline but not too rigid of an outline so I still feel like I have a lot of flexibility to kind of see where different conversations go and where the characters are kind of leading me so Mm -hmm. I my outlines tend to be pretty sketchy and they're constantly evolving 
but yeah, the whole no outlining thing. I I admire people who can write books doing that, but I have found it very stressful and I will not be trying this again. <laughs> so more power to them though. I admire that. <laughs> what do you do when the inspiration is kind of stuck? I write dialogue because that's my favorite thing to write. And so I'll just write little like kind of side scenes that I know don't, probably wouldn't actually make it into the book and don't really serve any purpose for the greater mm. plot but mm-hmm. just if I'm feeling stuck like the only thing I really want to do is just write the characters like sitting around bantering so I'll write a little bit of that and sometimes it'll kind of get me more back into the spirit and feel like I'm connecting with the characters more and then I'll be able to get back to the actual writing that I'm supposed to be doing save all of those because your readers are going to be like oh I do I I, I, anything I've ever yeah anything I've ever <laughs> deleted I like save because I'm so paranoid about it <laughs> I'm too attached <laughs> Well, let's do a fast five. I will ask you questions and you answer off the top of your head. All righty. Last book you read and loved. I just read Red Letter Days by Sarah Jane Stratford, which is set during the Red Scare. And it's about a Mm. TV writer who has to like flee the country to go to London. It's delightful. I loved it. Writing ritual. I write in the mornings early and almost always with a cup of tea. (laughs) What kind of tea? English breakfast. Nice. (laughs) Appropriately enough. (laughs) Where will we find you on a Friday night? Probably at one of my friend's houses uh, eating pizza and watching TV. (laughs) Favorite snack? Goldfish. Mm. 100% gold. I don't let myself buy them because I can't be trusted (laughs) around them. I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyway. Jane Austen or Jane Eyre? Oh, Jane Austen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) My God, Jane Austen. (laughs) No no wives locked in attics. Right. Please. (laughs) Oh, I love Jane Austen so much. Me too. My friend and I are in the middle of watching the masterpiece adaptation of Sanditon, which is pretty crazy, but I've been enjoying it. Oh, I haven't seen that. (laughs) It's wild. It's a little uh, saucy compared to your average Austen adaptation, so I know it's gotten some mixed reviews, but I've kind of been enjoying it just because it feels like a bit of a change of pace compared to the 5,000 other Austen adaptations out there. So, (laughs) What's been your favorite so far? Favorite Austen adaptation? Yeah. Probably a tie between BBC, Colin Firth, Pride and Prejudice. Then I also really loved the Emma adaptation they did several years ago with Rommel mm. I don't know how to pronounce her name Romola Garay played Emma I'm probably butchering her name Ooh. but I actually really enjoyed that adaptation too and Emma is my favorite Austin so did you ever see Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet? I did <laughs> I love that movie because I love Emma Thompson me too like, more than I can possibly express though I Sense and Sensibility makes me eye roll a bit sometimes yeah <laughs> it is not my absolute favorite Austin Marianne is so ridiculous oh but, <laughs> but that movie I love that movie so much. I really love that movie. I mean, Emma Thompson can basically do no wrong in my book. So I I thought it was delightful. (laughs) So you have hit the nail on the head with how crazy this timing is. And I didn't even think about it when I was preparing for this. But... Is it going to affect your touring for this book? Do you know yet? Well, I was supposed to be at the LA Times Festival of Books in April. So it was like a week and a half after the book launched. I was going to be on a panel there. And that has been postponed until October. So fingers crossed that the world will be in a calm enough state by October that um, that festival will be able to happen. And then other than that, I have um, two local events in the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area planned 
So there's my launch party on Tuesday the 7th at 7 that I'm really hoping goes ahead because I have, like, friends and family coming in from out of town for it. But public health is more important than book events. We'll see. I don't know. Well, I hope we can just help spread the word. Well, I appreciate that. Things really go well. Well, you know, if we're all confined to our homes and everyone should have plenty of time to read books, so that could be the silver lining here. It should be a major upswing for book sales, I would think, (laughs) for e-book sales. We're all going to be so bored. I'm probably the only one out there who's like, yes, I love being home. I I love my family being home. Yeah, I would be definitely less upset by it if my book were not about to launch yeah. and I was not worried about that I think I would be less perturbed by the idea of being quarantined because I mean look I could get a lot of writing done if I wasn't allowed to leave the house so that kind of <laughs> sounds great to me well I'm wishing you huge huge success and that this won't affect you at all <laughs> thank you I appreciate uh, that random question yes from the curvy savant okay what would you take to a potluck mm, some sort of bread product <laughs> <laughs> Like, it doesn't really matter what bread product. I just love bread a lot. Yeah. Too much. What about thoughts on cats? I love cats. My cat Puffin is staring at me right now. (laughs) Puffin. She's a bit of a cat dog. She's very uh, friendly and meets me at the door. So not that cat-like, but yeah, she's a good cat. My daughter has moved back in and she's got her cat here too so it's kind of our grand kitty and he is very much a dog cat (laughs) he is very needy (laughs) those are the best kinds of cats i want like the low maintenance of a cat with the affection of a dog and that's basically what i got in puffin so it's perfect (laughs) i think it's time for us to sing a song what i know (laughs) oh god I mean, I've got a great uh, repertoire of uh, story time classics. Do you? <laughs> I mean, I do preschool story time once a week, so Aww. I do a lot of uh, public singing. I'm a very, very popular among the under six crowd in Chapel Hill. <laughs> so what would you sing on any given weekday? My favorite story time song is The Seals on the Bus. Not the wheels on the bus, mind you, but The Seals on the Bus. The Seals on the Bus. <laughs> yes. Would you like me to Ooh. sing it for you? Yes. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I apologize for what's about to happen. <laughs> the seals on the bus go arp, 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 arp. The seals on the bus go arp, 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 all through the town. <laughs> and then I generally just take animal suggestions from the kids, like whatever animals they want to toss out there, some of which are like nice. easier because they have very obviously identifiable sounds, like yes. the sheep or the horse, some of which are a little like trickier, like the unicorn and I'm like oh. what does the unicorn say and they're like I don't know and I'm like well, how am I supposed to sing it then that's great <laughs> yeah it, I did not consider how much of my life would be like singing in public when I decided to go to library school but you know it's fun who knew <laughs> oh Nate wants a the wolf wolf on the bus goes arr, arr, arr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised this isn't making my dog Winston go nuts. I mean, Puffin is definitely staring at me very confused right now. <laughs> crow. Uh, the crow on the bus goes, caw, caw, caw. She's good. <laughs> this is my uh, life. This is this That is got Winston growling. <laughs> he woke up out of a snooze growling with that one. For some reason, the wolf was fine, but... 
the, the crow. <laughs> that, was, that was too much. <laughs> well, Martha, you have been so much fun. Well, thank you. This has been delightful, and I really appreciate you having me on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm even happier about it now that I know the struggle you're up against, but I'm excited <laughs> to be part of helping push along the word. Well, that is very so. kind, and I really appreciate it, and this has been super, super fun. <laughs> have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody spread the word about her book. You hear what she's up against. Everybody help spread the word about to have and to hoax. Living in the Pages is now part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.